Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 147 for June 5th, 2008, Microsoft's Baseline Security Analyzer. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, on the web at www.astaro.com. And by audible.com. For your free audiobook and a whole lot more, visit audiblepodcasts.com slash security now. And by listeners like you. Thanks for your donations. It's time for Security Now. Time to talk about keeping yourself safe and sound in this modern time. And what better person to do that than Mr. Steve Gibson of grc.com. Good morning, Steve. Hello, Leo. Great to be back with you again. Let's talk about saving your butts. Security. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, um, was having a long conversation uh, on the radio show. Well, this comes up a lot on the radio show. Security, um, how to protect yourself. Fella asked, and I think it was a reasonable thing. He'd run a security scan, and it came up with four different kinds of uh, of critters. Adware, spyware, rogue software, I think they called it, and Trojan horses. Rogue. I like that. It's roguish. <laughs> well, I told him what I said is nowadays, I think it's all malware. I mean, I don't think that uh, there's much distinction between adware, spyware, and viruses. They all act the same. Well, mal as in something that you really don't want on your machine. You yeah. don't, you know, you just don't want it around. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, he's he was panicked, and uh, as all people are, and uh, you know, sometimes I get in this battle about whether you should format the drive or if there's some way to do it without formatting the drive. But every time I talk to somebody, I, you know, in fact, there's a guy on Twitter said, "Oh, you always say format the drive. You don't have to format the drive." And I asked him, I said, "Well, what percentage of uh, malware infections uh, are you able to get rid of without formatting, and how many of them come back?" And he, he said, "Well, you know, ninety nine percent of them come back." And it, it seems to well, me that you have to format the drive. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, there's been some evolution there. Remember that I, I remember clearly when we were talking about this at one point, you know, in the last three years, um, the, the you know, the, the formal rule is if your machine has been compromised, you can never trust it again. Right. There, there, there isn't any way to know what it is that was changed. And in fact, when, you know, I've, I've talked to some people who are sort of old school sticklers for, Oh, I know what every single file on my machine is, you know, back, back from the DOS days. And, and there've been some friends who have spent weeks trying to get stuff removed after an infection. And, And you, you really cannot do it. It turns out that, I mean, the, the way this malware has evolved now it's so insidious and sinks itself so deep into the system and, you know, renames files and, and, and sticks itself in, in places you don't know to look and is able to hook itself in so that it gets started up in many different scenarios. I mean, it's, you know, if you get a, a serious infection, really, I mean, for two reasons. First of all, you don't ever, you will never again, by definition, be able to trust the system. And secondly, you you just can't get rid of it. It won't go away. And when people say, "Well, it comes back," what it means is they didn't get rid of it the right. first time. Right. There was there was some little hook left somewhere, some little you know p 
piece of evilness that, you know, is monitoring and it, you know, it reinfects the system. So it's just, you know, I, I think your advice is right, Leo. You just, you, you mostly, how could you ever do e-banking on a machine that once had this on there? I mean, it's just, there, there just isn't a way you can trust a machine that was taken over. Callily asks in uh, our chat room, well, what about system restore? Is that enough? Well, there are now system restore aware malware, which has, I mean, you know, that is a, a, a great example of, of the adaptation that we're seeing in this kind of malicious software is that, is that it's evolving step by step. Once upon a time, remember that, you know, the, the spyware scanners could remove spyware. You did, they say, okay, we know we've got rid of it and it would be gone now. All kinds of things break because the the software is is really insinuating itself, you know, in a, in a in into the system because it doesn't want to be removed, and you know it's successful in not right. wanting to be removed. So right. so you even system restore because and the problem is system restore is sitting on the same system. If it's in the same system, you can't trust it. Frequently, in fact, uh, people will restore viruses that they got rid of. Right, <laughs> isn't that nice? Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, the, I mean, the only thing that would make sense that you could trust would be if you had offline images and you re-imaged your system from an offline image that occurred before the problem. Right. O- of course, or you know, you're- as, as, as we know, the best solution is not to have the problem in the first place. Right. Well, let's talk about uh, security news, as we always do, and then we're going to get into our topic of the day. What do you want to talk about today? I want to talk about two utilities that Microsoft offers. We had a great, a, a great response to uh, talking about Secunia's personal software inspector, which talks about you know third-party software. Back when Microsoft got all into security, they produced a couple of tools. One called the Baseline Security Analyzer, and um, w- which is an, an interesting sort of sort of Secunia-like tool. And the second is called the Microsoft Security Assessment Tool. So I want to introduce our listeners to that. You'll have links to them. I've got links to them on our show notes so, so people can, can experiment with them. They are, again, they're, they're not something you would get with Windows Update or automatically. You've got to go to Microsoft and get this. But it's, it's, they're both interestingly useful, I think. Uh, and I think our users, our listeners of Security Now would find them useful as well. Cool. So we'll talk about that in just a bit. Any big security news? The big news, um, the, I mean, the really big news actually occurred after we recorded last week. Of course. <laughs> Probably <laughs> seconds afterwards. Yes, of course. <laughs> we record on Tuesday, of course, and uh, and then air the show on Thursday. In that intervening period, Comcast got their DNS record essentially hacked. What 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 happened was um, that somehow, and from from looking at all the evidence, it looks to me as though that some some someone malicious inside of Comcast is is my best guess. Um, you know, maybe it's an ex-employee, someone disgruntled. It, it's it's impossible to know exactly what happened, but the um, Comcast's domain, Comcast.net is hosted by, well, their registrar is Network Solutions. Um, There's no indication that Network Solutions themselves were hacked, but the the 
registrar record for Comcast.net was definitely hacked. Mm. Um, there's a bunch of, you know, script kitty ish lingo in the administrative contact. They they repointed the the primary and secondary Comcast name servers, which are normally Comcast provided servers. They redirected them to ns21.worldnick.com and ns22.worldnick.com, which are the name servers that Network Solutions supplies. And those pointed to a bogus server. um, I believe it was in Germany. Hmm. Now, this basically, I mean, this took Comcast.net off the net for the period of time that it took them to find the problem, change the record, and then for DNS changes to propagate. So, so um, it's interesting, too, because I got email from my office manager, Sue, on I think it was Thursday evening or maybe Friday morning, saying that a bunch of, of our e-commerce receipts sent by our e-commerce system had bounced and she she had noted they were all comcast.net wow. wow so there was there was some there was some mistaken reporting unfortunately by the non-technical press saying that it was only the comcast's portal that like people who that were using that did get hacked though i mean there was some text on there from a hacker text and so forth well this is all part of the same thing and right. well it, in, unless it was related and different it may have been for example that that some password file that comcast maintains got out and so someone was able to hack the portal but but what what did happen was comcast.net got redirected to a different server that was putting up a hacker-esque message right but but this now was they're more- saying they think they know who it was it's these you know kevin polson interviewed these two high school dropouts who say yeah we found a security flaw in comcast and we uh, we probably should have told them but we just thought well what the heck we'll we'll take advantage of it okay well you know it it's Again, it they, they may have gotten into Comcast network, found the the information, and then been able to log into. It looks to me as though someone got the logon credentials for Comcast's network solutions account, and then went there and changed that information at Network Solutions, which then it it then redirected Comcast.net to a different pair of name servers from Comcast's, and from there. They were able to do, you know, play any games they wanted to. Right. Anyway, it's you know, if it had happened to you know TonyNoodles.com, no one <laughs> nobody would care. care. It happens all the yeah. time to TonyNoodles.com. Exactly. It happened and to so, me. I mean, you know. So, yeah. so the this is according to uh, Kevin Polson's uh, article. You know, Kevin was a, a hacker himself, but did some yep. jail time. Uh, we've interviewed him many times before, and now is actually a very credible, really good reporter. He's an excellent reporter, and but I think because of his. Uh, connections with with uh, the hacking community he was able to talk to these guys they respected him he said he had an hour-long uh, conference call with this hacker group called threat level and the hackers oh no i'm sorry they talked to threat level they were there the hackers names were defiant and ebk and it was a dns hijack as yep. you say and in fact defiant and ebk name is in the 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 edited administrative contact in network solutions yeah and uh, threat level uh, which is the blog that uh uh, uh, Kevin Wrights says he did verify their uh, their identities. Uh, okay. they, they wouldn't say where they were. His MySpace profile, Defiance MySpace profile, says he lives in Cashville, Tennessee. But <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. Uh, Network Solutions says it had nothing to do with us. There was no breach in our system. No social engineering. Of course, they're going to say that. Who knows uh, what really happened? 
Yep. Um, but as you said, it was a, a transfer of the account to their <laughs> to them. I always Oops. worry about that. You know, I mean, we have I when you register a, a domain, most domain registrars will allow you uh, uh, to lock it down so that these can't there there can't be administrative transfers. They make it very difficult. But still, you know, ultimately with a fax and maybe some phone calls, you can get that stuff transferred over, right? Well, and and look at what's happened. Once upon a time, what like in the beginning of all this, fifteen years ago, it would have been it would have been uncomfortable if you know you couldn't get email for a day or something. But what's happened well, this is, is serious, we, yeah. That, exactly. In the intervening time, we've built you know a mission critical economy on top of all this, and the underlying structure, while it's been strengthened a little bit. You know, it's still prone to, as you said, social engineering hacks and, and you know, various types of, of malicious conduct. And yeah. it's now not a small thing if this happens. It's a big deal. You can imagine how Comcast feels. I mean, their whole network would have been messed up for, you know, many hours because any any DNS servers that that whose cached Comcast.net records timed out, they would have gone back to the root server to update, to, to refresh their DNS. If they did that during this window where the record was changed, they would have picked up the malicious record. And even after Comcast fixed it, those servers would still have the wrong information and would have no reason to go back and re-verify it. How often do they do that? Uh, they, they do. It does expire after a while, right? Yeah, typically it's a day though. It, it because you don't want you don't want to load down your DNS server too much. So oftentimes it's especially in a situation like with Comcast where they have no expectation or intention of needing to change that information. So for example, one of the things that is often done for to for for sites that are under like heavy DOS attack is they'll deliberately bring their their record um, expiration down maybe to an hour, maybe even to like 10 minutes, because that gives them the flexibility of changing their DNS in, in a much more in a much shorter period of time. But typically, it's about a day. So so anything that had happened to expire during that window where the records were wrong, the authoritative DNS records were wrong. Servers would have gone back and picked up the new information and kept it probably for a day. So it was about a day-long problem before this thing got itself cleared out. They said that they uh, they tried to tell Comcast, but they wouldn't listen. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I don't know why I don't believe that. <laughs> what else is in the security news? Well, two things. Um, I did want to mention to all of our Mac listeners about the major uh, OS X update, 10.5.3. Mm-hmm. Because although it didn't get a lot of press attention, there were a number of remote code execution vulnerabilities, which well, we which, talked about them last week. I think that that uh, the, the the Macintosh vulnerabilities, right? And well, Tuesday we talked about they the, fixed it. We talked about the iCal vulnerability, right. and I, I think, think. they. I, we don't know. You know, I looked at the update immediately when it because the update came out Tuesday, right? And I immediately looked at it and said, "Has this been fixed?" And it doesn't say. Yeah, what I have seen is that there are still some iCal issues that have not been fixed. Uh, specifically, two known problems that my, that Apple has not yet addressed. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was there is a an, an exploit in the wild for the for a known vulnerable version of of the um, Adobe Flash Player. 
Um, version 9.0.124.0 is the latest, uh, latest and the current one. Secunia knows about it. So if you, if you downloaded Secunia two weeks ago, you can just check, you know, during our, our episode about that, you can check in with it. Um, I just checked my systems and I did have 9.0.124, but I remember that it was Secunia that had alerted me to the fact that I was behind and that there was a problem. Um, I mention this again because there are now Windows-based exploits in the wild. Oh boy! Apple's fix, uh, Apple's fix from last week does address this. So there were there were problems with Apple's version of the Flash Player as well, but they fixed that in their mega, you know, two hundred meg OS X update. Now you didn't mention. I'm kind of surprised at you for not mentioning it. That. Uh... There was a little bit of a DOS attack against our friends at Revision Three. Oh, that's very true. I didn't. I didn't really follow up or know any details, but I was talking to Mark Thompson, and he said that you know they were you know seriously um, under the weather. Yeah, uh, Jim Ladderback did. I thought a very good job. We had Jim and uh, and Patrick uh, and Martin Sargent on Twit, and so we talked quite a bit about it. Jim oh, did. Cool. A, Jim did a very good job on his blog uh, talking about it. But let me tell you what happened. It's uh, it's kind of interesting. It was a sin flood. Jim does a great job explaining sin floods. We've talked about it before on the show. I think anybody who listens to the show probably knows what a sin flood is. But on, on, it was kind of unusual in the sense that it, they they didn't hide the source of the sin packets. Uh, they were getting eight thousand sins a second, which was which took revision three down for the entire Memorial Day weekend. But it was apparent where it was coming from. It was coming from Media Defender, which is a, a company run by the or funded by the recording industry. Um, in, in order to bring down torrent sites. What, what Media Defender does is they create fake bit torrents of illegal content, movies and music, and then seed the torrent uh, trackers with that so that people can't find the legitimate or illegitimate, legitimate stuff and, uh, and end up you know, getting non-downloads. They also, apparently, it's, as part of their portfolio, do DOS attacks against bit torrent trackers. Um, uh, revision three was running without kind of they really had forgotten about it in the early days of revision three i mean really early days three years ago they used BitTorrent to distribute system and some of their other ah. programs so they were running a BitTorrent tracker it had jim explained this but apparently become open over the last couple of weeks which means that other people could put other torrents on there instead of just this the revision three shows right and uh, media defender says there were 296,000 other torrents on there um, but here's the funny thing. Uh, it was open. It was out there. Media, Tor- Media Defender was using it uh, as one of their trackers that they seed with the phony torrents. Then uh, Revision 3 found out it was an open tracker and closed it. And that triggered the attack. Media Defender started sin flooding it after they closed their open torrent tracker. It was almost a retaliation for closing the tracker. Um, okay. I'm curious then because doing what they did for for media defender to do what it apparently deliberately and intentionally did to revision three is against all kinds of laws. It's illegal. I mean, it's absolutely, it's absolutely illegal. Yeah. So uh, it is a little, it's a little puzzling. Um, I asked Jim, are you going to sue him? He said, nah, we, you know, we we got, we don't have time to focus on all of that. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree with that. We got other things to worry about, but nevertheless, yeah, absolutely. It's illegal. The FBI has been called in. I don't know if they're going to do anything about it, but I just think it's just a really a kind of an appalling uh, misuse uh, of their resources for the recording industry to go after, uh, you know, Revision 3, a legitimate content company, right? 
Yeah, that's that's you know that's not okay. Yeah, and it wasn't you know, and this is as as we've talked about before, a real DDoS attack. They use raw raw sockets and other ways to spoof the originating server. They didn't they didn't bother. They they wanted Revision Three to know where this was coming from, but they had enough servers all over the uh, country that Revision Three couldn't just block a single IP address. All right, we're going to get to our topic of the day, which is Microsoft's baseline security analyzer. We talked about uh, Secunia's analyzer. How good is Microsoft's? We'll talk about that in just a second. But I do want to remind you, as long as we're talking about security, of our uh, sponsor, the fabulous folks at Astaro. A-S-T-A-R-O dot com. Astaro makes the amazing Astaro security gateway. They also now make a web gateway. This is the way to protect yourself, folks. If you're in business, you know that it's so important that you stay online, that you control what your employees are doing, that you make sure they're not getting hacked, they're not getting spyware. I mean... Bad enough when a home user gets infested, but imagine when a business gets infested, the loss of time, productivity, maybe even the loss of important corporate data. That's why so many businesses use the Astaro Security Gateway. The gateway is about the size of a router. It's just a a, a great box that integrates a complete set of security technologies, um, both best of breed, both open source and commercial software. You get anti-spam, anti-phishing. You get dual virus protection for your email, so all your email is scanned twice. Without, by the way, any slowdown. I mean, this thing is fast. That's why you use one of these gateways. Transparent encryption using OpenPGP or SMIME. That's really cool. That means your uh, your your desktops can send and receive encrypted email, digitally signed email, transparently. You don't have to teach them how to use this stuff. It just happens automatically at the gateway. There's also complete content filtering for the web. There's a separate antivirus just for the web. And by the way, these are all kept up to date daily, constantly, even hourly, by Astaro's free up-to-date service that automatically keeps it up-to-date. It's free. It's a subscription, but it's, the updates are automatic. Um, very, very cool. You get a instant messaging control, peer-to-peer networking controls. You don't have to worry about <laughs> having open BitTorrent trackers on one of your company's computers. And of course, as you would expect, complete firewall, remote access, and VPN via SSL, complete intrusion protection. This is a all-in-one box that grows with you. You can you can actually uh, use their their unique brand of active uh, active clustering to add as many as ten security gateways. So as your business grows, so does your Astaro. You want to know more? Best thing to do: get a free Astaro security gateway in your business for trial. They've got free demo units. Just call them eight seven seven the number four A S T A R O. Or visit them online at astaro.com slash security now. That's 877-427-8276. And we really thank Astaro for their support of security now. We're now well into our, I think, second or third year with them as a sponsor. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You mentioned when you went to RSA that they were there. And people know the name Astaro, I think partly because they've been on security now for so long. I mean, Astaro's been well known for years. But I have to think that we've raised uh, their visibility out there in the security community. Well, given the given the number of listeners we have, and the yeah. fact that you know many of them are are in uh, decision making positions inside of serious corporations, I'm I'm sure it's had an effect. They seem happy. Eight seven seven, the number four, Astaro. We thank them for their support of security. Now, before we get to uh, the uh, the security analyzer from Microsoft, do you have any uh, spin right tales you'd like to tell? Well, I had one little reminder. Uh, this was a subject. We got a, a nice note from a Security Now listener named Dennis Thiel uh, with a subject, Spinrite works on floppy 
and saves wedding. <laughs> and he said, Steve, <laughs> I don't know. I just dying to hear how this works out. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Steve, I've been listening to security now from the start. Thanks to you and Leo for a great podcast and great source of information. A while back, a friend of mine came to me with a floppy disk that had her address list of guests for her upcoming wedding. Oh. She she couldn't read it and oh. desperate and desperately needed to retrieve the data. She didn't have it on a floppy disk, did she? Yep. That's what he says. She came to me with a floppy disk that had her address list of guests for her upcoming wedding. She couldn't read it and desperately needed to retrieve the data since it was her only copy. What I, is this, 1979? Uh, <laughs> and this, this came in on May 9th, so it's recent. Who has a floppy drive anymore? Wow. And he says, he says, I bought my first copy of Spinrite at version 5 and have since upgraded to version 6. I booted my computer into Spinrite, popped her floppy in the drive, and in just a few minutes, it repaired bad sectors, wow. and all of her data was recovered. Wait a minute. You're saying Spinrite works on floppies? Yeah, it works really well on floppies, actually. I'll be danged. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, why, and, well, and, and so, so, he, so he says, um, needless to say, she was relieved. The floppy drive is all but dead. But I'm sure there are many other people who have data on floppies who don't know that Spinrite will work on them also. Thanks for a great product. And then he says, you know, sign Dennis Thiel. I didn't I didn't know that. So, yeah, I'm glad you do. Not, not that you have any floppies on any machines these days. No, but, I don't think know, I could find a floppy disk to save my life, I let still alone a drive. On, I still have them on every single one of my machines. What? You know, and, I, and a, little, a little stack of floppies that I, you know, boot for various maintenance and setup. And, don't and, you think a CD would be a better choice for that now? I mean, you, yeah. you know, Spinrite will make a boot CD. Oh, it will. And yeah. and this guy may well have booted a CD, but then ran it on his A drive, on, on his floppy Although drive. Although you, you could you could fit Spinrite on a, on a, on a floppy, can't you? Oh, no, it, that's, it always has been. I yeah. mean, it's fitted on a floppy. It's like it's 100K or something. So, <laughs> yeah, you can, put it on a, you can put it on a floppy with a whole bunch of other stuff, too. 100K. Nothing's 100K. I don't even... But the the, uh, the text of below your name, uh, below the picture, is 100K. I don't know how you... Uh, that's amazing. Wow, that's so cool. All right, so we talked, uh, was it two weeks ago, about Secunia's um, PSI? Yes, and we had some some feedback from people saying, "Hey, what about Microsoft's baseline security analyzer?" It's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm going to get there, uh, and we're going to do we're going to get there right now." Um, essentially, back when Microsoft decided, uh, sort of woke up from their slumber and said, "Oh, uh, maybe security is important." Remember, they launched that whole <laughs> yes. that whole security yeah. initiative. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, trustworthy computing. I think was was right. Bill Gates' phrase during one Comdex keynote that right. year. He says, "Oh, we're going to be you know trustworthy and the most secure operating system available." Blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, you know, that sounds that all sounds good. Well, some some interesting, useful things came out of it. These are not things that normal Windows users know about. Using Windows, you would never find these offered to you or suggested downloads or anything. So our listeners are going to have to go get them. But both of them, I think, are 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 interesting and useful in a very in very different ways. The first is the so-called Microsoft Baseline Security Analyzer, or MBSA, and people can use the links in our show notes or on on the Twit page 
or just go to Microsoft and put MBSA or baseline security analyzer into the little search box and it'll take you right there. It's, um, uh, it's not big. It's only a couple meg and it doesn't have any like onerous in installation requirements. The, the other thing I want to talk about today does require the .NET framework and it's, you know, that's no longer small. Um, but the security base, the baseline security analyzer is not a big deal. Um, and it's it's very much like what Secunia has done, um, but it's also impressive because, it, first of all, it only deals with Microsoft Windows issues. So it's not a third-party scanner, meaning that it's not a superset of Secunia, nor is Secunia uh, a superset of this. So so really – You could use both. Well, yes, I, that's what I would recommend. Both of them together sort of go hand-in-hand. Hand. And when I ran it on a um, – on a on, on a VMware um, WinXT uh, window that I had, where I had de I had deliberately disabled automatic updates about a month ago. After I set it up, I brought it up to, to current patch level, and I said, "Okay, now I don't want to be bothered with this. I want to leave this static for a while." I ran it on there. It only takes you know a minute or two to do that, and I got you know severity assessment, severe risk with a big red unhappy shield. Exactly. Warning, warning, warning. And it says one or more critical checks failed. Uh-oh. And it's like, uh-oh, exactly. And so under security update scan, one of the things it does is it does a comprehensive scan of your system's secure, you know, Microsoft security updates. And it found that that one was missing, that got the red shield, mm -hmm. and then uh, it also checked for SQL Server security updates to see. But I don't have I don't have SQL Server installed here on on this little um, installation of XP, so that you know it came up with a green check mark because uh, it says none are missing. It's like yeah, and none are installed either. <laughs> That's interesting, <laughs> but 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 very much like the way Secunia allows you to drill down. So does this. So, for example, you can click on what was scanned, for example, when it's saying that it's got, I got my, my red shield. And then that opens another window, which is very comprehensive. And so here it shows me that MS 08-028 is, is a critical, um, uh, a, a critical update. And it gives me a link. I can click the link. Takes me to the knowledge base article. And this was that Jet database update that we will remember from like middle of um, May, middle of last month. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, that makes sense. That that I would have set this up before then and not updated since then. Then it also, but it goes on and, for example, tells me that I've got three update rollups and and or service packs missing. It's like, oh, wait a minute, what's that? Well. It's not happy that I'm still using IE6 on this system. So one of the things that it's suggesting is that I update to IE7, Internet Explorer 7 for Windows XP. Number two is the infamous Windows XP Service Pack 3 that I'm not getting anywhere near, although I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind sticking it in this virtual machine because this is, you know, just sort of a throwaway scratch VM. So that's not a problem. Um, and then... They want an update to, and they always do every month, the, the Microsoft Windows malicious software removal tool. Mm -hmm. So it's saying, you know, those things are missing. Then under the, so un, under the current update compliance, I got a whole bunch of green checks, is basically 
every security patch from Microsoft that's ever been installed with the the number, the severity, and a link to its knowledge base article. So in in a in a way, this forms sort of a missing piece of Windows update slash Microsoft update. And that is it's it's a it's a nice UI to the whole database that Microsoft is maintaining and that your Windows systems are maintaining, mm-hmm. allow, allowing you to, to sort of have a UI that we don't normally get. Normally, you know, you get the yellow shield on down in, in the tray and you go, okay, fine, you know, fix me. And it just <laughs> go it goes and does it. And then there there is a way in add remove programs under XP where you could tell a little checkbox up at the top of the of the window, which is normally not checked. You can say, show my Windows updates. And that of course makes the add remove programs list triple the length that it was before depending on how much of your own software you've got installed because it'll show you every security update but but this is just a a nicer presentation and it allows you to see the um the severity of the patches and if you have any questions about them there are links for everything that goes around and 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 tells you you know exactly what it is so beyond that though this looks at so so that, so that's just the 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 Microsoft um, Windows update scan results. It also looks, for example, at what they call administrative vulnerabilities, analyzing the machine that it's on, looking around. And so, for example, it I got another big unhappy red shield saying the issue is automatic updates. And so it's just reminding me what I already know, and that is, it says, the automatic update system service is not configured to be started as automatic. And it's like, that's right, because I want, I'll want i run it when I want to, not when you tell me I have to. <laughs> uh, and then I've got sort of a blue eye that says, no incomplete software update installations were found. And it's uh, there's another one, Windows Firewall. Um, is disabled and has exceptions configured. So that's interesting. I must have um, turned off the firewall for something. See, that's good because it's letting you know that you did that. You forgot that you uh, did that. Exactly. Yeah. And then and then I've got it's it's happy with me on my uh, user accounts. Um, it says because it checked my user accounts and on, on local account password tests. It says no user accounts have simple passwords. So oh. it's checked checking for password complexity simple being bad simple being bad yes yeah. too easy to guess easy to brute force brute force and so forth right um under file system it says all hard drives parens one so it knows that there's only one hard drive here are using the ntfs file system so i get props for using ntfs and not having any fat file system because ntfs of course has um, internal security that allows you know you you, you to have access uh, constraints on it. it. Then I get I get a green check for the guest account. The guest account is disabled on this computer. Yay! Uh, then it says this computer is properly restricting anonymous access. So I got a green arrow there. And under administrators, no more than two administrators were found on this computer. Actually, I think there's probably only one. I typically my standard security practice is I. As soon as I get a system set up, I delete the account that it forced me to make, and then I rename the administrator account to my own wacky, you know, nobody's ever going to guess this name, um, so that there isn't even an administrator account named administrator on the machine, just because, you know, why not? Um, uh, 
and it goes on. Uh, it does basically a, 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 I wouldn't say an, an exhaustively thorough analysis, but um, it, there are a couple auto login and password expiration. It skips because this – and it explains why, that the computer is not joined to a domain, which is oh, true. Oh, that's I don't interesting. Have a, yeah, see, on mine ahead. it says, you, you know, you turned on auto log on because I am on a work group. Ah, so okay. that's interesting, yeah. Yep. And then, um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it shows uh, – oh, I, I thought it was interesting. It said some potentially unnecessary services are installed. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, I mean, that's a good thing. Of course, Microsoft installed them. So it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and then it tells you how many shares you've got because, of course, you, you, over time you might tend to share things and forgot that you left them shared. Um, gives me a, a status on IIS, which is their web server, which is available in XP Pro, but I have it either not installed and or not running. I think it probably installs it by default. Um, but I have it disabled because I went through and turned things off. And the same thing for SQL Server. And finally, it, it looks at IE's zones and tells me that I've got them set up in a way that is making it happy. Yeah, because um, you have a very you have them very restrictive. On mine, it says I don't have any zone settings for some users, and that's a security issue. Ah, uh, yes, and, and mine says Internet Explorer zones have secure settings for all users. Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to bring this to our our obviously to our users to our listeners' attention because it's it's free, it's not big, it's easy to run, and it's just, you know, one more useful check on things that, you know, again, like, for example, you know, firewall, firewall turned off, um, you, you left some shares on some folders that you no longer need, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you turned on your guest account and you forgot to disable it even though you don't need it anymore. So just a, it's just a, a simple, easy way of sort of, you know, taking a, a little check on your machine, just sort of doing a little bit of an audit. So this is free. It's from, if you Google MBSA, that's a quick way to find it. It's the first thing that shows up. Yep. And, uh, I, you know, while you were talking, I downloaded it and ran it, and it did. It pinpointed a number of things. It even suggests, you know, it says click here to find out how to fix that, which is great. So. Yeah, I mean, and again, it it gives you. I really like that it gives you a a essentially a user interface into Windows Update, right? Because so it's not just it's no longer just okay. I don't know what's going on. Just go ahead and fix things. It 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 allows, especially now that I'm like being reticent. To, well, actually, I I'm more than reticent to put Service Pack three on my machines after it hurt two of them. Right. So it's like, uh, no, thank you. So I just I like the idea that there there's a a user interface to that. Yeah. So that's the first of the two things. The second one is very different. Um, they call it the Microsoft Security Assessment Tool, and I sort of I, as I was refamiliarizing myself with it. I thought, you know, this is a little bit like therapy. <laughs> this is like, you know, security therapy because it doesn't tell you what to do. Yeah. Whereas, whereas the baseline security analyzer certainly does. It it basically asks you a bunch of questions, and then, so the, so the idea is, I <laughs> it mean, is like therapy, isn't it? <laughs> just like there, it just like. Well, how do you feel about this now? <laughs> and, and, and so you know, it wants my company name, and I put in Gibson Research Corporation, number of desktops and laptops in use at your company. Wow, that's so interesting. Wow. Fewer than I said, fewer than fifty. Yeah. Number of servers in use at your company, and I said one to five, and then I you know, so that that's like the first page, uh-huh. and then it just basically takes you through. 
Um, the, the, the next status is what they call a business risk profile. Does your company maintain a full-time connection to the Internet? Oh, boy. And so you've got, uh, for all of these, yes, no, and I don't know. I got no idea. <laughs> and, and, like, and there's oftentimes a little question mark uh, icon to the side. And then, it, like, if you're not really sure, it'll say, like, such as a T1 or a DSL line, cable modem, or other always-on connection. Right. And so, you know, so you say, okay, yes. Do customers and vendors access your network or internal systems via the Internet? So, so customers and vendors access your network or internal systems via the Internet. And so it's like, uh, well, yeah, you know, we've got a website, for example. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Does your company host application services such as a portal or a website for external customers or partners? Uh, yes. And so, you know, you, you click that. And, um, and so, for example, for that question, if I, if I float over the little, the little question mark, it says, if you are hosting application services for customers or partners, there is an increased risk to the infrastructure due to the potential for data loss or theft or service unavailability. So, so basically, I mean, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. This thing, you know, I mean, I spent about an hour with it. And I mean, and the reason I call it therapy and the reason I think it's, it's a useful thing for our listeners, for Security Now listeners, is in the same way that a therapist asks you questions that are, you know, like are leading questions that cause you to, to think about yourself in a way you didn't by yourself. Similarly, this, this, you know, it asks you questions about how is your net, your network segmented? Do you use a VPN? Uh, now, does it know, make recommendations uh, based on all this or is it like just trying to get information about your system? No, no, it, 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 if you finally, if you make it through this whole thing, and so there's like a first pass where you sort of characterize yourself, then based on the first pass answers, it goes into the next level, uh. which, because now it knows enough about that, like the way your, your, your network and your, your, your company or your home. I don't mean to say that this is only of use for, for IT sort of people. Anybody who's got a network at home could I think find these questions very interesting because in answering the question, you kind of think, Oh, I mean, it asks you about like, you know, do you use a router with a DMZ? And, and, and so you basically go through a first pass where it, it gets a sense for who you are. Then based on that, that collection of answers, it goes into like, it drills down to a next level of real detail about how your system is configured. And when you're finally done, it gives you a report card. It, 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 it literally tells you, okay, here's the things that you're doing that you need to worry about. Um, these are areas where you really, you know, your policies need review. I mean, and it, it asks you things like, you know, do you have a, 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 an enforced password policy that requires you to change passwords periodically? Now, of course, as with a therapist, you can say, uh, yes. <laughs> I prefer not to talk about that if no, you don't mind. No, nobody's making you tell the truth. You, you can lie to your therapist. You, you can lie to your Microsoft security assessment tool and tell it, oh, no, I, you know, I never go to those naughty sites. Um, but, but if you tell it the truth, you, I mean, just the, the, the act of filling this questionnaire out – I think is really illuminating and useful because 
although I have to say most of what I found myself being asking, I was pleased to see that in our coming up on three years, we'd covered everything. I mean, oh, that's even, interesting. It even goes through if you tell it. Yes. You know, like, do, does your organization use wireless? Yes. Then you get a whole expanded box of, OK, which security protocols are you using? And they're and they're all there. WPA, you know, WEP. We run an open network, blah, blah. You know, ooh, you don't want to even think about checking that one and seeing what it's going to do. It'll probably just melt down. But um, but it's it's re- I think it's something that our users our, our, our listeners will find really um, worthwhile. Now, the downside is this thing requires .NET version 2, which I mean, in itself is only so you have 12. To, this isn't just an online survey, which it, by the way, could easily be. I mean, that's a very good point. I mean, they, could, this could just be a questionnaire online. You don't really need to download, but you do. You have to download something and you have to have .NET installed. You have to have .NET. So now, you know, Microsoft's pushing .NET. I know there are people who have who are deliberately staying .NET free. Long term, I think we, those people are going to lose because so essentially .NET is the next generation API for Windows, and more and more things are requiring the .NET be there. So you know, it doesn't hurt I, to download it. if you've got Vista. You've already got .NET. Precisely. Well, that's a perfect example. And this is why I set it up in a VM was just like, uh, I'm, I'm going to resist .NET till the, you know, the bitter end until I really need something on my main system that requires .NET. And maybe by then they'll have, you know, we'll be at service pack nine on .NET and it'll actually be stable and, and not a big security problem. Because, again, like anything else that's new, Microsoft has had security problems with .NET. So, you know, I just. I work not to put junk on my machine that I can avoid putting on. So I installed .NET in a VM, and I ran this in a VM, knowing this that I'd be able up. to... It's 12 and a half megabytes. I mean, you just talked about how, you, how Spinrite, which is so incredibly useful, is 100K. Yeah, I ought to get the right size for that. It's actually... I think it's more like 90K. No, no, no. It used to be 96. That oh, okay. that I... I, or, well, it used to be 64. It used to fit into a COM file. Oh, um, then it got a little too big. Yeah, yeah. Where is Spinrite? Well, all I can say is 12 megabytes for a, basically what is a questionnaire is absurd. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm running it right now. Okay, it's one, 169K is Spinrite. 169K. So this yeah. is this is like a, uh, what is it? A thousand times bigger. Now, um, yes, yeah, not so well. Okay, the the actual security assessment tool is twelve and a half meg. .NET, however, is really big. Um, I think it's maybe up to like sixty eight meg, right. something like that. Right. You know, it, it it keeps growing. They're now at three point five is the most recent one, which is the one that I installed. But anyway, I, I wanted to I wanted to bring both of these tools to our listeners' attention. I think certainly the baseline security analyzer. It's it's just nice to have it there. It's small and lightweight. I think it's one and a half meg, um, easy to run. And again, it's just as another little check on making sure that there's nothing obvious that, that you've forgotten. And as a really nice user interface into Microsoft Update and all of the endless you know the patch stream that we've got. And then then secondly, you know, the security therapist. The uh, the security assessment tool. <laughs> it's Eliza. I, it's Eliza for security. Well, except that this is this is just you know. Well, yeah, I guess that's a good point because it's not quite as interactive as Eliza was back in the day. Right. But but the what it takes you through is useful. You know, I mean, don't be in a hurry 
just, you know, think about the questions, you know, like do external partners or customers connect directly to your company's internal back-end systems for the purpose of data access, record updates, or other information manipulation? Um, you know, it talks about, you know, what do you subcontract out? What services do you get from the outside? I mean, it really builds a threat and risk model based on these questions. And I have and to say, this looks, this looks more like this uh, survey looks more like a marketing survey than anything else. I mean, I'm giving Microsoft a lot of information about what I do. Well, yes, and I was a little skeptical. I did, I did skip that whole first fill out about you know everything about your company and all that stuff. You're able to skip right over that, and and you don't need to fill that in. And I was, I was as I was going through these questions, I was skeptical about you know is are they spinning this in a pro marketing pro Microsoft way? And I have to say, no, because there were several places where where. The my, where the advice that I was being given was not pro Microsoft. Well, that's so, good. That's yeah, I, I I thought it was. Oh, I love. Does your company share office space with other organizations? You know, yeah. again, it's just and that's you legitimate. Know, it, that's a legitimate thing to ask because oh no, that no, means no, other I mean, people it, have physical access to your systems, and that's relevant. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know. I think this is all legitimate to ask. Yeah. I'm yeah. I, again. I, I recommend this for our listeners. I think you know while a lot of it is more corporate oriented it's also okay like or well you know do you have roommates you know that's the same sort of question right you know, right b- brought down to, to to a home level you know does your roommate have access to your machine when you're not around so so it's just, you know i mean it's the these are questions that that are really worth thinking about once and then you can just drop them never think about it again but yes. it'll it'll push people to you know, to think about oh, I know what the right answer is, but ooh, mine is not the right answer. Right. Well, that, that's an important point, huh? Yep. Yeah. All right, Steve. A couple of we'll put links to both of them. Although it's easy enough to find them if you just uh, look for Microsoft Security Tools on Google or uh, or your favorite search your search engine of choice. It's not hard to find. Yeah. Um, and uh, but we will put links in the show notes uh, to all of this. Hey, before we uh, wrap things up, let me remind folks that this show, as always, brought to you by the good folks at Audible.com. We have some great audiobooks for you at Audible.com, but you have to use our special Audible.com uh, Security Now URL. It's Audible.com slash Security Now. When you do that, uh, you're going to uh, get to uh, sign up for Audible.com and get yourself a credit towards a free book. We always like to talk about the books on Audible.com. There's so many great stories. And somebody sent me. A link. Now I'm gonna have to find it. To a, he said this. You really ought to talk about this on Audible.com. It's a security uh, book. Oh, now I've got to find it. Shoot, I should have made a note of that. Well, I'll save it for uh, save it for next week. But there there absolutely are these kinds of uh, interesting security uh, books on here. The guy twittered me, unfortunately, which means it's probably completely impossible to find. Twitter me again with the name of that book. I should recommend on uh, Audible.com for uh, security now. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash security now and you sign up, many good choices. Um, you can even, by the way, I know you're a little bit political, Steve, and so you've probably been watching all the coverage on the Scott McClellan book. They've even got new stuff like the Scott McClellan book. So we should mention that if you've been uh, following uh, Scott McClellan, the former uh, press secretary inside of uh, President Bush's White House, if you've been following the controversy of his book, uh, you can listen to it right now. He narrates it himself. It's unabridged. Um, ratings are already in from uh, readers and they're giving it many, you know, f- averages 4.67 out of five stars. That's, that's pretty high praise. Um, 
this is uh, this is you know if you've been re- hearing about the book and you'd like to listen to it, see, I find you know there's a lot of stuff I want to read and I just don't have the time to get to it, and so uh, uh, Audible really is a great way to stay up on current events. They have all of these books. You can subscribe to them. You can download them. I listen to a couple of books a month, and I find that very, very handy to have it. Um, it's just a, it's just a really um, great resource. 45,000 titles in all kinds of subjects. There's fiction. There's nonfiction. I try in our recommendations to mix it up a little bit. I don't often do political stuff, but this is a good example of one that is certainly in the news right now, and you're going to well, and, and in fact, beyond that, um, I just checked on Amazon. It is number one ranked. However, a, they show it as in the, the physical book in stock on June 29th. Wow! So a, a month away. So you know, wow. a, that's the advantage of the electronic download is you, you can get, get it right it now yeah. through an audio channel. You can't get in physical medium. Wow! That I didn't. Wow! I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Huh? I guess, yeah, well, it's it's number one, and it's completely sold out. Wow. Well, go to audiblepodcast.com right now, and uh, you can you can uh, sign up for security now and get a free book and make it to be uh, Scott McClellan's if you're interested in what happened inside the Bush, Bush White House and Washington's culture of deception. Boy, this was, a, this was a barn burner. We thank Audible so much for their support. Audiblepodcast.com slash security now. Steve, uh, you're at GRC.com, and I know that's a great place to go if you are a fan of the show because you'll find a variety of things there, including uh, the 16 kilobit, kilobyte, kilobit sex versions of this show. So if you've got not a lot of bandwidth and you want to download uh, the show, or maybe you have friends on dial-up who would like to get it, or you just want to put it on a floppy, <laughs> I don't know, would it fit on a floppy? Probably not. It might. <laughs> it might. Uh, go to GRC.com. While you're there, you'll see uh, transcripts. A lot of people like to follow along as Steve's speaking because, frankly, there's a, this is, as they were saying in the chat room earlier today, an information-rich podcast. There, there's more in this podcast per square inch than any other show on the Internet, and, and including all of my shows. So the transcripts help a lot. We thank Elaine for making those transcripts, and you can get them and, and show notes and links at grc.com. While you're there, don't forget to check out all of Steve's free security programs, Shields Up, uh, Shoot the Messenger, Decombobulator. Unplug and pray. He's he's really good at names. <laughs> and of course, his bread and butter and the program we recommend every program. It's Spinrite, the uh, world's finest hard drive maintenance and recovery utility. Somebody in the chat room asked, "Can I use it on my solid state drive?" Uh, you do not want to use it on your solid state drive. The technology is all about magnetic medium, and a solid state drive is is um, as we've discussed on this show is definitely sensitive to read and write cycles. So there's no need for it because the kinds of actual physical recovery that it performs does not map onto solid state memory. And it's bad for a solid state drive because you do not want to write unless you need to, to a solid state drive. Yes. So don't mess with your SSDs. With security right. now, but if you've got a hard drive or a floppy, would it work? <laughs> it would work on Zips then, I guess, huh? Yeah, in fact, it was it was version five O's support for Zip, which was what started the whole click of death deal. Is we started as soon as version five came out of Spinrite, which for the first time supported Zip and Jazz drives, those two iOmega technology drives. 
um, people were saying, hey, this is a, a cure for click death. It cured my click death. And I said, it cured your what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> and it turned out that Spinrite actually, similar to it on flash drives, you did not want to run Spinrite on a drive that had the so-called click of death. And that's why I wrote the free tool, Trouble in Paradise, which, again, as I guess you'd probably, I think you did like the name of that tip, one as well. Because it was tip. Tip, T-I-P, Trouble in Paradise, which was a free gizmo for iOmega users right. that properly assessed the status of their drives. And we told people, no, don't run Spinrun on it. It'll just make a bad problem worse. And in fact, that was how we first met, was talking about yep. the click of death and tip. Yep. Trouble in Paradise. Many moons ago now, Steve Gibson. Many good moons. <laughs> All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up uh, again. GRC.com for show notes and uh, and uh, transcripts, and uh, we'll be back next Thursday and every Thursday for another episode of Security Now. Thanks, Steve Gibson. Talk to you then, Leo. Security Now.